Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, and I'm sorry, because most people are going to want to continue to yell about Ohio State, but we do, I think, contractually at this point, have to talk about Indiana. The game is coming up on Saturday. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Sean Fitz, Ryan Snyder with me on the BWI Live Show. We are going to still be talking about Ohio State. Don't worry. Everything is going to be in context of Penn State's first loss of the season, but we are previewing the game coming up uh, Saturday against the Hoosiers. Also on the show today, the BWI mailbag stuffed full of questions. Lots of questions about receivers coming up on the show. Uh, And, of course, because we have Ryan here and because we didn't talk about it on Monday, recruiting. We're going to be talking about who's coming to the game, not just you guys. Now, I'm not asking if you're tailgating or anything like that. Who's coming to the game, the important names to know for Penn State. Um, And then, of course, we want to talk to you in the chat as well. So bring your thoughts, your prayers and concerns all to the BWI live show today. So uh, off the top, we got to get the thoughts of our uh, esteemed panel of experts today so Fitz it's Thursday um, we are now turning that page James Franklin tried to turn it pretty early in the week but here we are where, where are you in terms of uh, assessing the damage and moving on I mean I'm, I'm in the point where nothing is really going to change with Indiana like even if they beat Indiana by 40 or whatever yeah. I, if the spread is kind of ridiculous uh, or kind of it, it, it's it's huge right um, so I, I'm of the opinion that's not going to change. Like people are still going to focus on that, focus on Michigan. I know Maryland's coming up as well, which they can put points on the board. So that's a little bit dangerous. Um, yep. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that is that there's been so much focus on the past and I don't like to dwell on the past. That's not really what, what I go for. Um, but stuff needs acknowledged, you know, like there's <laughs> there's plenty of things to go by. And and we were talking to James Franklin last night and there were a couple little like one liners. We're going to I'm sure we're going to get to his press conference and practice and all that stuff. But there were a couple little one-liners. The one that I took away was we're going to get a, going to try and get a win against Indiana, which he says it about every every game. So whatever. But he also said, and we need to play well, which he never yeah. really throws that caveat in there. We need to play well. So there's an acknowledgement that there's something wrong. Like there's something that has you know obviously gone off the tracks, especially offensively. Um, and that's what they need to, that's what they need to fix here. So just the little things like that, like that little acknowledgement that, Hey, kind of sucked on Saturday and everybody knows that, especially the people in that building, they've taken this loss very hard. Not that that's any consolation to fans or anything like that, but it's, uh, it's been one of those situations where you, you, you can't do anything but move forward. Uh, James Franklin was pretty, I don't want to say pretty transparent because he's always, I think he was less withholding. Uh, of some of the realities and factualities. Another one uh, you mentioned uh, was talking about what he wanted to say if the team had won, which we can get into just a little bit later. Ryan, uh, your thoughts on this upcoming list for Indiana? Just a broad view, good, bad, eh? How, do you, how does it how does it look with a noon kick? Well, we'll get into the the names, you know, here in a sec. I would say 
kind of as expected. I mean, I know they were they were hoping to get a couple guys maybe to come in from outside the region. Doesn't look like that's going to happen right now, just from from digging over the last couple of days. But it, there's some quality players there, and, and there are a couple coming from out of the region, which kind of surprised me a little bit. We'll we'll talk about that here uh, in a sec. But kind of what I expected when Michigan is the next game, uh, and of course that's going to be noon as well. Um, I would say right now we're looking at a handful of scholarship guys, a couple younger players who I think will get scholarships down the road, uh, 2027, 2026 guys. They'll still be evaluating. Uh, we're still putting the list together. So I don't want to say, you know, specifics on how many scholarship guys or anything like that. But right now we got a handful of, of quality scholarship players, guys. I think we'll be talking about a good bit here uh, in the months and years ahead. And um, I still I could still see a couple additions here tonight uh, into tomorrow as well. So good list about what I expected, um, you know, especially with Michigan up next. I mean, a lot of these guys, I've talked to so many players this week. They were like, yeah, I was invited to Indiana thinking about it still, but most likely I'm going to be at the Michigan game. So that's right. Kind of what I kind of what I expected. Uh, Fitz, I'm coming back to you for this one because I'm terrible at this. Uh, we have an app, and I don't talk about it nearly enough. So tell everyone <laughs> about the app and where you can find On3 on your phone. Yeah, you can find On3, the app at the App Store. Go figure. Um, but this is, is something that we've, we've put quite a bit of time in and On3 um, to develop. And I know, like I've said many times, like people have always asked me, no matter where I'm at, do you have an app? And that's the, how people like to consume their content. This is good, uh, especially with the push notifications. You can get uh, when Ryan's stories come up, when your film rooms come up, we'll push those to your phone and go right to them instead of having to wait around, having to check the site and things like that. And then, of course, you can also access the message boards and things of that nature. Um, it is uh, certainly something that we continue to try to or st strive to improve at On3 as we work out the bugs because this is a brand new product and uh, there there are bugs, no, no, uh, no arguments there. But I think it's going to be something where people sort of flock to in the, in the coming years. Yeah, just uh, to a public service announcement, the latest update I got is we're still working on it when it comes to videos embedded in the app and those two things working together. They're separate things. They're trying to marry together. So if you're checking out T. Frank's Film Room, I encourage you uh, specifically to use Chrome <laughs> and to use it on your web browser. Uh, but just as Fitz is talking about, that will be fixed. We'll have all that integrated. And especially for game day, if you're a fan of the app, uh, if you're a fan of a fan of a team, the app is the way to consume all the information, uh, especially game day and with updates. And as Fitz talked about with push notifications, really great for that. Today's show sponsor is also really great for me. And I just have to say, like, I don't know why you guys haven't told me anything that I had something on my face, but I have football all over my face. And the only way I know to get it off is with Caldera Lab. Uh, Caldera Lab is a men's uh, I want to say it's skincare, but it's healthcare for me because I did three film rooms. I watched Penn State, Ohio State about four times and it showed on my face by Wednesday. I hadn't slept this week. I haven't done a whole lot of things like my wife's birthday is today and I'm drowning in things I need to do. But here's the thing. I still look good on camera. And that's because of Caldera Lab. We have their skincare stuff and also their beard products. Life-changing beard products for me because I used to have to spend 20 minutes getting an actual lather with an actual old-school straight razor to shave every morning. And down here, you know, this looks great today. The line on the beard is excellent because Caldera Lab and their uh, their beard products, including, a you know, the, the shaving cream, literally takes me 10 minutes where it took me 15 20 before and that's if i'm being tired and lazy and all of those things so calderalab.com use promo code bwi23 to get 20 percent off 
your purchase. And also, one of my things that I like the most fits, and I know you've been using this a little bit more, is the big-ass brick of soap. Uh, but the exfoliating bar, excellent stuff that if you want to use and have better-looking skin called Dara Lab can help you with it as I wave around a brick of soap. What do you think, Fitz? I love the, love the brick of soap. I love the way you sell it as well. Um, no, it's it's fantastic. I actually just shaved beforehand, put the uh, beard shine on. So, you know, despite the loss, still looking shiny. And that's uh, that's really what we're going for in our everyday life here. But yeah, the Caldera products are great. I really appreciate them uh, supporting the show and really appreciate them supporting my face as well. So uh, thank you to Caldera. I definitely, uh, definitely am a, am a fan. Uh, Steven asked me a question here, and I don't know the a straight razor versus a safety razor. So, uh, not a straight. Okay. A safety razor is the one with, a, uh, I'm not using like an actual knife. I think I think I mean safety razor, uh, safety razor, Stephen. So I apologize. <laughs> I don't know the difference. I, I just know that instead of it, it's not one of the ones that comes on a cartridge that has three heads and then you're breaking out by uh, 24 hours later because you've just ripped all the skin off of your face. I just don't use that one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Fitz, we were at practice last night. You took a look at the defense. What was your assessment of that group after a Herculean effort that resulted in a 20 to 12 loss? How was uh, the vibe on that side of the field and what were the pertinent things you saw uh, on Wednesday night? Vibes were good. Um, you know, obviously, I think. Penn State's defense played a pretty good game on Saturday. Uh, did what they needed to do, um, but I think they're I think they're in rhythm. I still I still think they're in rhythm. I think they're they're going to have an opportunity this week to you know reestablish that dominance that they've had over the first six games of the season. But they were loose. You look at those linebackers running through uh, interception drills and and having a good time. I mean that defense is is so talented that it's easy to be confident. I think that that is something where. I mean, you look at this team, there's no, there, we're not doing an hour long show on the defense for a reason yeah. like that. There, there's a reason for that. Um, no chop, no Amin, which not a surprise whatsoever. I mean, chop uh, left the game on Saturday and James Franklin uh, acknowledged him on Tuesday that, you know, he's just, he's not, not out for the season, but he, you know, he's not available this weekend. I would think Amin was surprising because if you watch the Amin Vanover injury, um, Amin Vanover, not a practice as well. Um, but if you watch the, uh, injury, he went and planted and his knee went the wrong way, which is not a good thing. Yeah. But James Franklin came out after practice on Wednesday night and said, Hey, he's, uh, you know, we're going to see what he can do this week, which to me, I mean, that's a win right there. Like, yeah. uh, considering how bad it looked at the time, how much pain he looked to be in at the time. The fact that we were not writing an article about him being out for the season, I think, is a plus. And on top of that, saying maybe, hey, maybe he can go this weekend. You hope you don't need him this weekend. You hope you get to see more of Jameel Lyons, who, you know, is bumped up there in the two deep with that um, defensive end. Of course, you lose two guys out of a five-man rotation. 
that's going to take a hit on depth, but uh, yeah, yeah, you get those young guys in there and uh, and get them going, and uh, you know, hopefully for for their sake, uh, they they heal up and they get healthy before they get back on the field. So you talk about Jameel Lyons and James Franklin was very complimentary of him last night. I, I'm just so impressed and and surprised because watching Jameel his senior season very raw football player unbelievably talented from a physical standpoint and you could see it all come together but are you surprised at where he is or or was your assessment of him different coming into this situation where as James Franklin said if if they weren't so deep he might have seen the field as a true freshman more than he has so far yeah that was actually something I had written uh ready to pop last week because when he made that he made that mention last week after practice on Wednesday he said there's a couple of guys that you know, if it weren't for what was ahead of them, they would be playing. Lions was one of those. Rappelier was the other one. So, like, mm -hmm. those are the two guys that you look at and say um, they would be in the rotation if Penn State's defense wasn't – or Penn State's uh, defensive end room, tight end room wasn't so deep. Now, Rappelier got hurt, missed the game on Saturday. Lions been banged up a little bit. But they're, they're exceedingly high on those guys, and nothing has changed there. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, the, the silver lining there is you get to see more of Lions, hopefully this weekend – um, you know, you lean heavy into the the three man rotation and see what Lions is able to do out there. Um, you know, Penn State's a, a better team than Indiana, so you get a yeah. chance to get out there. And maybe maybe you would have seen him anyway. You know, maybe you if Chops out there, if it means out there, maybe you would have seen him anyway. But like they're very high on his potential. He's ahead of schedule. Like I thought this would be a guy that takes a little bit to adapt to college. You know, he you know he, his yeah. academics were not sparkling uh, coming out of Philadelphia, and uh, you know he just kind of put his head down and got where he needed to go much faster than anybody expected. So yeah, this has been, this is not buzz that just came up just because he might get into the game this weekend. This has been sustained since, uh, since August. I mean, they've been calling him a freak and to, to be a freak in that defensive end room, right? That that's kind of saying something because that, that, that room is full of them. Yeah. Well, just the, the bend he has with his length is really impressive. And if he's put it all together, like Penn state, as you, you and I have talked about ad nauseum before, just the, the ability to find guys when you thought you were a little concerned about defensive end recruiting and keeping that cupboard full, it's pretty impressive uh, on the offensive side of the ball, nothing really changed. So I think Penn state fans clearly want a tectonic shift from the offense, but James Franklin, his process always remains constant. Um, some of the things that we saw, J.B. Nelson was with the team once again, wasn't with the starters like he was last week. So just super interesting, the process they went through, of I, I believe, trying to get as many reps for him as possible, get him ready for the game, and maybe just didn't didn't really click for him last week and then having to put Vega back in there. Um, we'll see how all that shakes out. It sounds more likely he plays this week, but I have no faith anymore in any of this stuff, guys, because like it seemed pretty clear that JB Nelson was back back last week and, and who knows. Um, but if you want the full breakdown of the offense and what we observe, bluewhiteillustrated.com, uh, Nate Bauer took the bulk of that, of letting you know who was and wasn't participating and how they were participating. And of course, Fitz's full comments over bluewhiteillustrated.com. If, if, uh, if you want the full breakdown, you should read T. Frank's texts in real time because as he's going <laughs> through the video, he's like, oh, I see this, I see this, I see this. Oh, wait, never mind. That's not it. No, no. no that's, that was the fun. That, that's always the fun thing on Wednesday evening. It's like, ah, I've got it. Okay, maybe I don't. <laughs> yeah, so you're seeing like half of a passing play, and I'm like, hmm, okay, that's going to be very interesting this weekend. I don't think, and then wait, no, never mind. I got to the other portion where they're doing something completely different. So like you, you, the even, even, sometimes I'm surprised they let us see this stuff, and then it's, even then, it's completely incomplete. So you don't actually know what the whole game plan is for the weekend, which is by design. 
Uh, let's get on to the Indiana visitor list because I want to get Ryan back in on the show. Ryan, of course, uh, is always in support on Wednesday nights, but uh, living in, in Harrisburg, he's not with the group anymore. By the way, I miss you, Ryan. I haven't Aww, seen you in person thanks. in forever. Um, noon kick. I know that we talked. you talked about the Michigan game, but how much is the noon kick affecting this list as well, do you think? I mean, I think it's more so senior um... – like this is final regular season games or a lot of guys with playoff games. I mean, noon kicks always impact things, right? But again, when you look at Michigan the following week, like they're gonna get it, they're gonna get a good, good group of quality guys. A lot of players talking about how this is, you know, their final regular season game. You know, a lot of players just want to put a focus on that this week, especially if they're not in the playoffs. Uh, then you got a lot of other guys who are again switching their focus to upcoming playoffs and things like that. I just had a lot of players, you know, discussing, hey, it's just not a good week for visiting. Uh, any school really uh, as they want to you know finish off their their high school season strong so uh, I think that was a big part of it uh, as far as like getting into the guys who are visiting this weekend a couple guys who stand out to me I think the the most important the most notable one right now has to be Nation Montgomery top 100 wide receiver out of Florida a guy who's ranked number 84 in the country by on three uh, pretty much four star at all four uh, ma major sites and, and has been on on campus before uh, I believe it was back. He didn't come to the blue white game. I think it was the day before the blue white game. He mm -hmm. couldn't stick around for the blue white game. I don't know if he went to another school or what it may have been that day, but uh, I know he wasn't on campus in April, but uh, we're going to be talking about receivers a ton here, <laughs> not just the rest of the season, but I think as the transfer portal opens and yep. uh, obviously oh, he's we got tons of receiver conversation coming up in the mailbag. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm sure. So, Look, he's 2025, right? And and Penn State fans are looking for immediate answers. And we'll see if they're able to do that. They're certainly still chipping away at 2024 guys. And, and I think that there there will be a has to be an addition, somebody uh, for wide receiver in 2024, whether it's one of those top ranked guys uh, that uh, Penn State fans and, and Sean and I have been discussing for a long time or somebody who kind of emerges onto the scene here late, time will tell. But I feel like that has to be. Uh, at least they got to get somebody uh, in. So again, that doesn't really impact Montgomery much. He's a 2025 guy, but he is a he is an elite receiver uh, and, and somebody that they're really going to be pushing hard for. Uh, you know, visited LSU a couple of times, Florida, Miami, uh, USC. He's got all all types of great offers. Six uh, one, one sixty five. So uh, a decent frame there. Could add some weight, of course, with time. But yeah, he's also a junior. But can, um, can I, I jump in here and ask you kind of ahead. a follow up question about receiver? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're not even a year in, and I think the initial assessment of a position coach is always tough because it's hard to make your mark. And I, I guess I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to throw players under the bus. Is not what I'm trying to say. But it's hard to make your mark as a position coach in recruiting and with players in less than a year. But what's your assessment generally of um, of Marcus Hagen so far in the recruiting department? Have they gotten more guys interested in the program that are like Nation Montgomery? I know 24 is difficult, but like I guess generally a check-in about how receiver recruiting is going positive or negative, I would I think fans would appreciate. They got two quality four-star guys in Josiah and Tysier. Uh Josiah, of course, with that injury, though, that is not good. And, and not saying he was a guy who could absolutely come in and make an early impact, but they certainly wanted to get his speed on the field, right? Um, I don't, again, I kind of look at Quentin Martin, a couple other guys as players that will get on the field early. Not sure Josiah would have been one of those guys, but um yeah, look, you need top 100 guys, top 150 guys. We talk about it all the time. It's not easy. There's there's a lot of guys out there, but there's a lot of other schools that, that can sell wide receiver success better. Not 
not necessarily better than Penn State. They've had a couple guys, but they don't have, I guess, maybe some of the the, the big time numbers, the big time draft numbers uh, that some other schools can. And yes, I know about Jay, uh, you know, Dotson and other guys. I get all that, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not as easy, I think, as, as people want to make it out to be. Yes, wide receiver yeah. is deep usually in a lot of classes, but uh, it, and that's that's kind of where Penn State may have to go here is kind of finding a guy who's emerging here late, someone who maybe put up some some numbers, uh, track numbers and, and good stats and all those kind of things here late in the year. and may have to add a guy who maybe doesn't have all the, the four stars and, and the top 150, but, uh, you know, somebody who can maybe make an impact down the road. I mean, I think. I think Higgins has done pretty much what I expected him to do. Right. Did we expect yeah. him to come in here and land three top 100 guys, Sean? I didn't. I didn't really expect that, um, but I also want to give him the 2025 class to see what he can really do before I totally judge it. Yeah, Fitz, yeah, what are your thoughts there? I, I'll agree with that. Like uh, you, you're going to judge him on the first cycle. Like I know that the production has not been what you want it to be. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, with receiver, they call it a dime a dozen position, and that's not really a disrespect to you know the the players that are there, but there are so many of them and. Some of them hit, some of them didn't. They've they found guys that really haven't. And I think that's the issue here. And, you know, that's kind of, I think that's kind of why Stubblefield's not here anymore. You know, the recruiting sure. aspect of it. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's any any question to that. So um, to, to judge a guy on his first cycle or first cycle, first year, he's been here for what, nine months, something like yeah. that. It's, it's, it's a bit, bit premature, but that's a position that needs fixed quickly. They thought, like, this was another kind of direct com, uh, comment from Franklin last night. They thought that the transfer guys might help them out a little bit more than they have. Those guys haven't done it. They're, they're not as good as they thought they were. They're not as good as they were at their previous uh, institutions. And at some point, you got to pivot and spin. And, and, and Penn State hasn't been able to do that just because they don't have the guys. Portals uh, is going to be absolutely massive. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. massive for that position. Fitz, getting back to the list, is there anybody that catches your eye that's coming in this weekend? Uh, Diabell, um, is coming. He was supposed to come up to the whiteout. There's a couple of these guys from Florida that were supposed to come up for the whiteout and they looked at the weather report and they're like, Hey, seventies and sunny in October. <laughs> Where should I go? <laughs> Central Pennsylvania. Uh, cause Diabell is going to come up, uh, Jiron Hughley, who is Jay Juan Sider's nephew, uh, a couple of really good quarterbacks, um, from the, uh, the sunshine state Hughley, a really good athlete. I'm not sure he's a, yeah quarterback but uh maybe a safety or something like that but also a couple of good athletes so a couple of good guys from florida and you know when you take a look at this list overall penn state indiana should not be drawing a ton of guys for a noon kick especially from florida so they're gonna get these guys up they're gonna check them out uh, dia bell of course the son of raja bell we talked about him i think before the whiteout um excuse me when he was supposed to come up uh there's uh you know there's there's a lot of uh, upside there. He's been on campus before he worked out for Mike Yersich. They offered him after camp. He's a good little player right there at yeah. American Heritage, one of the top uh, programs in the uh, in, in Florida. So getting these guys up from the South, uh, again, it doesn't really make any sense whatsoever, especially with Michigan being the big game. But uh, there's an opening in the schedule. You're going to accommodate those guys as such. So just one thing to add to that. Uh, Montgomery and Hewley have a bye week and then Diabell plays tonight. So that's why that worked out. They don't play go. on Fridays. Is uh is Diabell? Uh, you got a sense if he's a true six one? Uh, just looking at him on film, he is. N- not the biggest guy in the world, but looks like he's got decent size. Yeah, those numbers are correct. Yeah, the, yeah. The, he he camped up Penn State this year. Um, you know, back in back in July, and that's when he earned his offer. So all those numbers are correct. We'll see how he keeps developing. The stats aren't anything great, but it's his first year starting, and he's playing at American Heritage, which 
play some yeah. of the best competition in the country. So don't want to put too much um, stock into that, right? I mean, I look more at the fact that he's got, you know, Florida and Miami and some some quality offers out there. I, I thought there was there one. No, he visited Notre Dame. Doesn't have a Notre Dame offer yet. But, uh, you know, certainly a guy that, again, you come up to camp, work out with the staff. Uh, it, it makes sense, a lot of sense for an early offer there. But uh, like all these guys, man, how he develops here in the months ahead will will really impact him. But he's he's a, he's a quality athlete. I think he tested pretty well too. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I do remember uh, looking at those numbers sure. and being impressed. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I said he's got the genes, so mm-hmm. he's got uh, pro pro basketball genes. Those help. Yeah. Uh, any other names? Anybody else, Ryan? You want to highlight? Uh, Montrez Walker. We we got to mention him. He, he was formerly committed to Michigan, uh, linebacker prospect out of Buford, Georgia. Again, another another Southern guy coming up this weekend. Interesting. Uh, I mean, the thing with Walker, he's you know five eleven ish, two fifteen, like quality player size wise is 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 certainly the thing that I think um, you know really kind of keeps most schools still kind of scouting and keeping him interest, but. Uh, will that will that impact where he ultimately ends up? I mean, he did commit to Michigan, ultimately decommitted. I think Penn State. I mean, he's certainly a quality player. I just yeah. three more inches. I think we we'd be talking uh, much more highly about him, uh, and and maybe for Penn State's chances of of kind of pushing hard for him. So we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, he plays at a great school, in Buford. Plays against great talent. Puts up good film. But again, um, five ten and a half, five eleven. And, and already at 215 as well. So how does he progress? How does he grow there? And, you know, does he does does he really fit uh, long term, especially in a, in a Penn State defense that looks for, you know, guys that can get, uh, as James likes to say, was it 53 and a third? Um, yeah. I'm not sure how well he fits in there. And, and they have quality middle linebacker. Pro- I mean, you look at Clatterball and, uh, of course, they got Specker coming in. Like they have quality middle linebackers. Uh, does that is that something they really need to push for for 2025? Still kind of TBD. Any final thoughts here on the list or what you're looking for in the next couple of days? Because, Ryan, if I can describe your job, it's work progressively on things that happen. And suddenly Thursday and Friday, it all snowballs on you. So, like, what's at the corner of your eye about what's coming up this weekend? Anything? Yeah, we have a story up right now with a couple other guys who kind of, uh, you know, just confirmed late last night, early morning. We'll keep them quiet right now, um, you know, for 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 everybody who subscribes at the moment. Some other quality, um, you know, players who hold a Penn State offer or, you know, have certainly a handful of power five. One of those guys is a is a, a four star prospect, only one of 100 players right now for 2026 to be rated. So uh, just got to keep an eye on on how this list grows uh, here over the next 48 hours or so. But again, should be a handful of scholarship guys handful of potential walk-ons you know there are some interesting 2027 kids I'll, I'll mention one of them is it is it Armand Hill or Armand Hill I believe it is from West Mifflin put up almost 500 yards rushing uh, a couple weeks ago in like, a game in one in game. game yeah in, oh. in, yeah so keep an eye on him uh, important verification there <laughs> yeah well we'll see I mean he doesn't uh, I think he has a UNLV offer or something like that again he's just a freshman he's only you know, first year playing yeah. but uh yeah, certainly. I mean, did, did some really good things in that film and I get it. You know, it's high school film, crazy stats. You know, how much stock can you put into that? Well, I think I think Penn State saw some things there that they really like. But again, 2027, we got four years to talk about. it. we got a question in the chat. Uh, so we're going to get to that right now to wrap up our recruiting conversation. Um, Eric Eisler. He says, Jeremiah Seaton at Blake on your radar. Just got his first power five offer. Might be one of the best 2025 backs in the DMV. Uh, I know that Fitz is a big DMV guy. So, what's your what's your assessment on this situation? Yeah, I looked at him. Uh, I looked at Jeremiah last week. He's the younger brother of Jordan Seaton, the offensive mm-hmm. lineman that was at St. John and then went down to IMG. 
uh, Jordan is an incredible offensive lineman. Um, he's, uh, I'm not sure where he's going to end up. I think he took an official to Colorado. He took a couple other big time officials. He's not going to end up at Penn state. Penn state was never in the, in the mix for him, um, for a few reasons, but, uh, Jeremiah is a good player, Tennessee and Maryland so far. Um, Penn state's got two backs though. In uh, I, I don't know what Seton's flexibility would be, but Penn state has two backs in the 2025 class and Keandre Barker, um, and, uh, Oh my goodness, that's awful. Uh, to quiet, uh, Tyke Hayes. Um, and uh, so that's going to be tough for them to get out there. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they kept offering 2025 kids at, at that position just because that's the nature of the beast these days to just to be in it in case you want to be in it. Um, but uh, very tough to see them uh, have to or try and switch gears away from those guys. I uh, still haven't heard much from Barker that would indicate that he's leaning any other way, um, but that's a long way away from home. So you got to protect yourself at home, you know, take, take care, take care of these guys, but Seton's a good player. Um, yeah. Like I said, looked at him last week. Um, he's, his profile is going to continue to grow. And of course with his brother there, um, Tennessee, I think is, is in on Jordan as well. Um, that's going to be something that, that helps elevate his profile early in the process. I love that we've got contacts in the DMV. We got people, we've got uh, family members of commits in the chat. Love it when you guys bring the heat. Uh, makes my job so much easier. Uh, so that'll that'll be what we, we're going to be, again, bluewhiteillustrated.com is where you go to get all the information. You can sign up right now. You missed the big game special, but it's still well worth your money to sign up and get all the inside information from Ryan and from uh, Fitz because they do a great job of sourcing and giving it to you in a condensed version. And uh, you can also find a ton of like-minded people in the 2025 and 2026 chat threads uh, on the board. Let's get to Penn State, Indiana. Huh? Penn State plays Indiana this weekend. It's a noon kick, and uh, we're not going to be talking almost at all about Indiana, I don't think. The defense, let's start with the defense, because despite the fact that they nearly got Penn State points, kept Penn State in the game the entire time, we haven't talked about them at all this week. So I guess the question being, uh, hmm, how do I how do I put this? Do you expect a letdown game from this group after pouring their soul into that game against Ohio State, keeping a very explosive offense in check for most of the game before, I just want to say fatigue and just number of opportunities allowed Ohio State to score enough points to win the game. Is there a letdown opportunity here, Ryan, do you think? It better not be. Indiana is not good. Uh, I think they're the worst team in the Big Ten. I mean, you, you can make an argument for Northwestern and Purdue, maybe, but uh, you know, from what I've seen so far, they are they are not. I think they're they're in line for a coaching change. I, I think that's that's going to probably happen here. So, uh, no, I expect. I, I my prediction was uh, forty-five to seven. I think it was. I mean, pretty much. You haven't, similar see, you to haven't last seen year. the show. Save that for later. What's that? <laughs> you haven't seen the show in a while. Save that for later. We got a whole prediction. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> anyway, I, no, I don't expect a letdown. I expect them to come out. Uh, and I expect, I mean, we're, we'll get the Penn State's offense, but I, I, ex, I expect Penn State's offense to come out and score early too. Um, Indiana's allowed touchdowns to uh, every uh, every one of their uh, three of their four conference opponents. The only ones they held was Michigan, and then Michigan scored eight straight um, you know, after two first drives. So, no, yeah. I, I expect Penn State to come out and, and perform well here. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Fitz, this is a this is an unanswerable question. I, I think from a like real deep understanding, but is there potential for division in the locker room? It's a thing that I think fans and people outside can speculate about. What is your opinion on keeping the team pointed in the right direction and that conversation about leadership 
that we've had all offseason. Does this team have the leadership to overcome losses? What's what's your view of that situation heading into this game? I think it's human nature in the sense of this is a one-sided team right now. One side is very good. The other side is not very good. And you need the not very good side to win the football games, to put points on the board. And I think that there's, I mean, there's just going to be some natural uh, animosity, I guess you would say. Division's so tough because you, you, you kind of, have to split it off into two, but like how many times can the defense go into the post game and say, Hey, we're, we didn't do our job because we gave up too many points when you gave up 20 points to the number three team in the country at their stadium. Yeah. I mean, is this a surprising thing? Uh, So no, I, I think that that's something you got to get, you got to get back some kind of confidence. I I think this game is going to be like the first six games and like, what do you take from the first six games? What do you take from this game? Probably not that much because yeah. the, of where Penn State has put those uh, aspirations and expectations. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a situation where you're clawing at each other's throats, but it's like, come on, man, just just get a first down, <laughs> like, especially this past weekend. Yeah, um, I do agree with uh, with Ryan in that Indiana. Not good. Uh, my buddy, my close friend, uh, Zach Osterman at the Indy Star called me the other day. He's like. Buddy, no matter what you think about Indiana, they're worse. So it was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, good to know. Um, Ryan mentioned that there's probably going to be a coaching change. They got to find the money to do so. It's kind of like West Virginia last year. It's like, how how long can you hold on to this to get that that buyout as low as as palatable for the Indiana people? But that's kind of where it's at. I mean, Tom Allen had this thing by the tail three years ago, and yeah. all of a sudden they're the worst team in the Big Ten. I mean, it's extremely hard to win at Indiana. Like that's that's kind of how in, that's been Indiana's entire existence for the most part um so sustainability has never been there but yeah they've they've come down and they've come down hard and look at who's at or near the top of the heisman list is their former quarterback who is now washington michael Penix. that's a very tough that's a very tough pill to swallow um, when you're looking at uh, at uh guess how not to build a program so yeah indiana is gonna i think gonna help out penn state this weekend um you know it could be one of those things i mean they they've been sluggish they were sluggish against uh northwestern and scored 40 some point you know it, it can be one of these things that fluffs up the points per game the yep. you know, the 30 point streak is no longer intact but it, i i can see it being one of these games where penn state even if they don't play well can still win by a lot and what solace is that not much you know yeah that, that's kind of where we're at with uh with the expectations uh, kind of going off of maybe the one area of the defense that did not perform to the level you thought would be Kalen King against Marvin Harrison Jr. Do you, do you guys think, Ryan, do you think that Kalen King confidence game, does he need to get some of that back? Or is it is he? do you think he's got the DNA of a guy that is a true corner, which is just move on and then you'll dominate the next guy? Like, How are you Kalen, viewing his confidence in this game? He's an incredibly confident individual. I don't have any doubts on that, but... Marvin Harrison lit him up in that game. And I don't, I think there were times where Penn State could have maybe helped Caleb a little bit more. They, they certainly put uh, a lot on his shoulders in that game. But, um, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be challenged again in a couple of weeks uh, with, with McCarthy and, and, and Michigan's receivers. He's still a quality player. He's still going to be a top. I, mean, I certainly expect him to probably be a, a first round draft pick. But I mean, his whole season, I will say, I mean, when you compare it to last season, it's it's been down a little bit uh, compared to kind of maybe what the expectations were, but uh, I don't I don't see him <laughs> losing a lot of confidence in himself. I mean, Kalen's always been an incredibly confident individual. Uh, with the with the defense and the lack of defensive ends uh, at the moment, you know, going into this game, um, 
we're not worried about red shirts at this point with Jameel Lyons. I just want to kind of come back on that conversation from earlier because I know he's right there. There was one game where he got in for literally one snap. So just curious about what your thoughts are of him playing, not playing this weekend, Fitz. Yeah, he's going to play. Uh, their their plan was not to redshirt him. Um, mm-hmm. It just didn't work out. He got bumped up. Um, I believe it was he didn't make the Northwestern trip. It was um, so there was a little bit in there. But uh, yeah, they're going to have to play him. Like it, it, to me, like even if Chop was borderline, keep Chop out. Even if Amin borderline, keep Amin out and let those guys go after it. And uh, you know, hopefully, you put yourself in a position where he can learn on the fly enough and and make enough play. I mean, I think he's athletic enough uh aggressive enough maybe maybe too aggressive at times you have to learn to play in that little uh, bubble that little window there and he's 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 had it a few times but uh no i mean i think you you play him and and you're trying to get the most out of it and that's uh that's kind of where you're at and that's kind of the difference with uh with defense and offense is like you can play the guys like that and feel confident that the drop-off won't be that much whereas you know you look at a plus the spot like receiver and you're not ready to go to those young guys for a reason so um, there's, uh, there's a, there's a lot going for lines at this point. Uh, you expect Indiana to have to throw the ball, you know, when you're a young defensive lineman, pin your ears back and go, that's, that's kind of the ideal situation. So, um, if you're Penn state, you hope to get up early. As Ryan said, they, they give up a lot of touchdowns early. Penn state has been terrible, terrible on opening drives this year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been, uh, since the Delaware game, I think Delaware. they haven't scored in the, yeah. So that's that's been that's been an issue all season long. So that's something they need to remedy. Um and Rutgers ran it 55 times last week. I know we're switching back to offense here. Rutgers ran it 55 times last week, threw it 12. That's some sort of blueprint there, right? I'm not an offensive <laughs> coordinator, but there's there's some there's yeah. something there that you can maybe make it work. So uh, we spent five minutes, I think, here on the defense out of three hours so far on uh, all three collective shows this week. So let's talk about the offense, guys. We were just contra- I just I felt bad. Like we had to talk about them for a little bit. Stephen Light says about the offense, it's like having a dead body in the closet. Sure, you can ignore it, but eventually you're going to have to do something about it. Steven, by the way, I said this on, on Saturday in the postgame. Steven is one of our, first off, one of our bedrock people here of the show, one of our regulars. Also a very level-headed always very uh in perspective sort of guy he's out on the offense like hard now so it has taken it out of a lot of people so ryan who needs to have the biggest bounce back game who needs to have a bounce back game in this uh, against indiana as fitz said james franklin said we need to play well who needs to play well this week well, Steven, first off, how many dead bodies have you had in your closet? Uh, <laughs> that was morbid, man. Kind of intrigued here. Uh, no, nah, I love you, man. He's, he's Steven's great. Um, what was the question, T. Frank? I'm sorry. I was thinking Who about dead bodies. Well? <laughs> Who, Who needs, needs to play well? Who needs to play well? Oh, yeah. gosh. Um, I mean, two hours you got to start with, I guess, right? I, yeah. I, I could argue Harrison Wallace. I could argue some of the younger wide receivers need to step up. Um, but Drew, Drew needs uh, to get his confidence back. And we saw that in that post-game press conference uh, where he was he was quite emotional. And that's not something I was – Greg and I were talking about the other day. Like, when's the last time you saw a player that emotional after a game? And the, the first thing that kind of came to me was Trace McSorley in the Rose Bowl after he, you know, threw two interceptions. And, you know, he wasn't quite as emotional as Drew was, which is interesting to me uh, as well, considering, you know, it, he's only a handful of games into his career. But, uh, I mean, Drew's, Drew's kind of the easy answer there. It, I, I can I can point out some offensive linemen. Hunter Norzad has played pretty well this season. Uh, certainly uh, got beat up a couple times there yeah. in, in the Ohio State game. Um, you, you can you can point to a couple guys there. But it all starts with Aller 
uh, we, we know Drew has a ton of potential. I think I think fans are a little more worried about him after that game. I, I'm not quite there yet. I still think he's, he's he's a very good quarterback. I know fans want to see bigger stats and and you know some some flashier throws, uh, but uh, I still think Drew's Drew's a quality player. He's gonna he's gonna get Penn State. I don't know if they're going to get there this year, but he's going to get Penn State in the playoff, I think, here next year, and uh, he'll, he'll he'll continue to, to to grow as a player. But you got to start with Drew. Yeah, I, we're we're going to get to that in the mailbag. So I'll save some of my thoughts about the Drew Allen oh, conversation. I, I need first. to just read this rundown. I'm sorry, I was trying no, to get no, that no, 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 no. story out. That was absolutely sorry. that. That's uh, so. The, the, I'm talking about the chat. So the chat is having its own conversation about Drew Aller that we're going to talk about in the mailbag. But I just it it is very interesting because somebody asked a good question that I'm going to save the phrasing for later. Fits to you, offensive player that needs to have the bounce back game that you think will help the like things look good besides the point total. I mean, every, like, come on, like, how can you pick one? Like, they were you know, across the board. Who was, who was Penn State's best offensive player against Ohio State? I mean, uh, crickets. Caden Wallace, huh. maybe. Like that. Theo, not Theo Johnson. Caden, yeah, maybe Caden Wallace. Yeah. I, I mean, that's where we're at with that. So, like, how do you pin it in the one? I mean, Ryan's right. The most important is quarterback because he's your quarterback, and he's gonna you're gonna continue to go with him despite what the chat says um but uh no it's uh it, it's kind of everybody it's it's like okay so i put that stat out about Rutgers running 55 times that's great can penn state does penn state need to come out and do that do they need to come out and re-establish the run game and be tough and everything like that that they want to be up front um not necessarily because you got to get those receivers going like it's like uh, if it's not one thing it's the other you got to get everybody going and i don't i don't know that there's a there's a formula for that the formula is points the formula is points the formula is for this offense first downs yeah. you know first downs are so so vital to what they try to do and when you can i ask you that, fitz um james franklin talked about efficiency and being good in in leverage situations as the offense's identity and i think a lot of people think identity is smash mouth football throwing the football not necessarily situational football can can you lean on situational football which is dictated a lot by your opponent as much as it is you as your identity and i think that was this that was kind of my big takeaway from the game is um doing the hard things well is what james franklin talked about the identity of the offense converting long drives that always felt unsustainable you know and we saw that happen in uh the game against ohio state so i guess what's your opinion on that of is that sustainable is that something they can take forward into games against maryland and michigan later to be their identity and succeed with i mean we saw proof on saturday that it's kind of not right like it's right. kind of the situation where if you can't do that you need to spin off and do something else i mean that was the takeaway on the monday show was that hey if your identity is going to be a team that strings along drives and you can't get third downs what do you turn your like? What do you have to turn yourself into? And that's yeah. the tough one because you don't know, and you don't know if the weapons are there to turn to a, a big play offense. You don't know if the, the if you want to be a ground and pound. If you want to put yourself in a situation where you're running that short yardage play on third and one. What I mean, whatever it was, like where where was it? And that's uh, and that's kind of what you're looking at with with this team. Do the hard things well. That's great against Northwestern and Illinois and some of the teams that they've played. But like doing the hard things against Ohio state and Michigan are a completely different animal. So like, I, I don't know, like I, that's a, that's a very good question. And I'm not sure that there's an answer to that because the answer has to be, what do you pivot to? And we haven't seen what they pivot to. Yeah. Uh, let's get to uh, your predictions for the game because we got to get to the mailbag. There's a lot of things that people want to know after the Ohio state loss. So Ryan, give us your score prediction for Indiana and kind of nutshell why you think it's going to go that way. 
Yeah, like I said earlier, sorry, I jumped the gun. 45-7 was, was, is, is my prediction. Uh, 45-10, actually, I think is what I wrote on the board. I gave him an extra field goal at the end. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Penn State should come out plenty motivated for this one. Uh, Indiana cannot stop the run to save their lives. But we said the same thing against Northwestern. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what to think at this point. You know, we saw we saw Nick have a little bit of success at times. And, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit. I think one of these mailbag questions kind of hits on, on the – running in the Ohio State game, but um, I, I just think Indiana is not a good team. But it doesn't really even matter how much Penn State wins this by. Sean's been saying it's all about the game in two weeks for for Penn State fans to to get some confidence back in, in this program and where things are going. Penn State should do well on this one. Uh, I still think they're – I still think Maryland's kind of a bit of a fraud. After watching them against Illinois, I still feel like Penn State should go down and get that win. And then we'll see uh, on November 11th. But uh, 45-10 is my prediction. I, I don't expect Indiana to put up much of a fight. Fitz, what do you got? You're, you're, you're muted. The one time, yes. Um, it's been a while. Very, it has been a while. Yeah, thank you. Very similar. I was waiting for my score to pop up so I could remember what it was. Um, but uh, no, very similar to the Northwestern game in that you can, I think you can sort of sleep your sleepwalk your way over 30 and then potentially over 40 um in the second half because the depth uh the depth difference on the both sides of the ball is is very different also uh speaking of graphics uh on the youtube people would love that score t frank but it's indiana this week and they're not going to win 41 to 6 over ohio state oh jeez. Um, but uh yeah i've got 41 to 6 um i think penn state can move the football on the ground and again what solace is it going to be? What uh, what comfort is there going to be? Not not really that much, um, but it's going to be seventy and sunny. So if you're going to be there, like enjoy yourself. Like it's yeah. it's going to be. Um, <laughs> this is a treat in late October. I remember years ago when it was what Minnesota and uh, they're, they're closing they're closing the lots because of snow. Enjoy this one, like because that's that's the that's the part that you need to enjoy. Um, no, I, th- I think Penn State's going to be able to control this one. Um, you know, limit mistakes like like Penn State Northwestern was that opening kickoff fumble. You know, you limit those little mental gaffes like that. This defense is not going to allow Indiana, I don't believe, to do really much of anything. Um, so they're going to have the opportunity to, uh, to to have another one of those games. And again, what's it worth? I don't know. It's two game season. And that's where uh, that's where at least at least that's where yeah. the the uh, the chat is hanging out this week. Uh, two game season. And that's that's kind of where we're at. I, I, I almost texted you guys before the show and I said, hey, I haven't slept well. So like prepare for some some of those uh, graphics whoopsies. So I knew they were coming. I didn't know when they would be there. And there they are. Here's one that won't be. We've got to get to the BWI mailbag. And I made that months ago. Get right into the first question here. Um, this one coming from Stephen Light, who, who I think has a question, uh, com- a real opinion about the offense. What single change do you think is necessary to see the offense uh, get going during this game? Uh, Ryan, what do you think? What's the what's the one change they could make that can help improve offensive performance and efficiency? Uh, running. And, and consistently being able to do that, it takes a lot of pressure off of Drew. It takes a lot of pressure off the receivers to find space, but they haven't really been able to consistently crank out big runs all year. So 
Uh, it's 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 hard to say, but I mean, you can you can also argue that the wide receivers just need to kind of step up their game and, and learn how to create some better space. But I'll go with a, with with the running game getting going and and you know giving Drew Aller and and, and others, um, you know, just this overall confidence, man. Uh, because right now this offense has has very little confidence, and or at least after that game, they they should. Uh, Fitz, what do you got? What's what's your big change this week you'd like to see? Um, single change, like that's tough because you, you talked about earlier this week, throwing over the middle of the field, like, or just using the middle of the field in general, that'd be nice too. Um, but I, I would like Drew to pull the ball like a couple of times, like just give them something to be aware of. Like, even if it's a three or four yard gain and he slides, you know, just give them something to be aware of because this running game is, uh, you know, dependent on the threat of a quarterback run and it's just not there. And they got to it a little bit late. But uh, I mean, it's, there's just no threat whatsoever. It, I, you know, take the reins off, man. Like you're trying to protect this kid from throwing interceptions. You're trying to protect this kid from taking hits. And, and I get that like on the surface, but like at some point your offense is hamstrung because of it. And yep. that's, that's really what you're trying to do. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying free Drew. I'm just saying like do a little bit that puts puts some of that stuff in doubt, because when some yeah. of that stuff is in doubt, that's when that's when good things can happen. So it's interesting going through some of the uh, YouTube comments, which I don't suggest to everybody. Um, there's a significant portion of the uh, chat and there's a significant portion of people that watch these videos that say uh, that this offense needs to put in Bo Prabula because uh, they're not using the RPO. By the way, you mean read option. Read option is when you're deciding whether the quarterback runs the ball or the running back runs the ball. RPO is when the quarterback decides if he throws the ball or the running back runs the ball. It's an important distinction there, even though they are used interchangeably, even by analysts on television. Um, but the real real the reality of this offense is they're not like it's not even really a part of the game the way it used to be with Trace McSorley and and Sean Clifford. Last season they got more away from that. I think part of it because they wanted to preserve their quarterback, and here they are doing that. He has one run for five yards in read option situations this year. So it's not really a part of the offense as much as it used to be. And you're right. There is no dynamic threat putting a lot of players in conflict. It's kind of it's kind of in a box. Uh, and and freeing Drew, I think, is a part of the conversation of, of, of exactly what you just said. And that dovetails perfectly into ear to the ground. Is there any hindsight regret sense from the staff not mixing it up with Bo Perbula last Saturday? The chat wants Bo Perbula to start, guys. Uh, they want him to be the quarterback because of what we just talked about with the read option game. Ryan, I'm going to come back to you on this one. Um, your sense of the, the problems with switching quarterbacks or playing not a two-quarterback system but using two quarterbacks. Regret, not regret. How do you think you handle this uh, with an offense that is sputtering? This won't be popular, but no, no regret. Um, look, Bober Bueller's ran the ball three times as much as he's thrown the ball this year. I get that he's in late game situations, but that kind of also tells you something. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I think they. I think Bo needs to kind of prove a little bit more uh, that he's not going to make mistakes when throwing the ball. And, and I think that that's kind of his big. I don't want to say weakness, but the thing he needs to improve on. Uh, they feel comfortable with him running. Yeah, there's no. There's no doubt about that. But uh, Bo Bubula coming in that game, Ohio State's going to just absolutely load the box. They 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 have no. I don't think they'd be scared at all about Bo Bubula being able to pick them apart. And again, I love Bo. I've watched Bo more than anybody here over the last couple of years at Central York. But um, you know, Bo uh, Drew Aller has a has a is just on a different level when it comes to the arm and being able to find guys. But it all kind of also just comes back to if you're going to find guys, those guys got to be open and. and 
they were blanketed for the majority of that game. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to point out is like the cover one was a big part of the conversation. Um, and they didn't get separation. There's not much you can do in those moments. This coming from David Greeter in the chat. He says, T Frank was OSU, the interception game that drew had to get out where didn't throw an interception, but you know, you get the point there. Does he flip the switch now and say, okay, I have to take over and be the guy. Response to the loss fits. Do you think that I don't want to say lights a fire under Drew because that says that says like he didn't have a fire underneath him already. But is there an is there an expansion of his game where he lets loose a little bit now that they have a loss? Um, maybe I think that's a bit more narrative than reality based. Like yeah. there's you can flipping the switch. I just I don't think that actually happens. Um, but I, I I understand the question um, as like get that out of the way and then maybe is a little bit loose. I think maybe a little bit everybody everybody's a little bit more loose because of the loss. Um, and that sounds stupid because obviously everything is on that game. But like when you when you lose a game, you, you can loosen up a little bit just to because you don't have to sort of walk that high wire anymore. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's really what you get out of it. Does anything change? I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's tough to look at that offense and, and see a ton of hope um, in terms of what they can do. You can, you can look at it and say they're this bounce away or something like that, but I don't think they were that close on Saturday. And that's, that's, right. that's the hard part to stomach. That, and that was what I think James Franklin, his narrative after the game was, it was a one score game deep into the game, but, but what was the real threat of overcoming that one score? with the way everything was working and the issues they have on offense. Uh, getting to this question, I think we're going to address just parts of this question and not the full question. Psykim asks, were you surprised by the offensive line scores? And I'm assuming he means PFF here, especially center and right guard, particularly after, as Ryan, you said, Hunter had been playing well this season. It was his worst game of the year, possibly of his career, even considering he was playing injured last year. Ryan, were you surprised that, that Ohio State was able to take advantage of the interior of the line and run and pass the way they did? Uh, they're, they're an improved unit, but man, Ohio State is still elite. Uh, I know they don't have, you know, the Bosa's and some of the other guys, but uh, they're still elite defensive line. Yeah, those guys need to play better. I, I will say Caden Wallace played pretty well in that game, I thought. Uh, I just kind of haven't watched every single snap back from that game, but I have watched a good bit of it, and I thought Caden Wallace had, had one of his better games of the year. But uh, I know we're talking interior, and, um, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say what I've expected, but man, how many years have we seen this? How many years have we seen Ohio State's defensive line give, especially Penn State's interior uh, and, and their tackles over the years issues? So, yeah, I mean, I guess to some degree I expected a little bit better because I thought Penn State's offensive line uh, was better this year. And I, I still think they are better compared yeah. to some previous years. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they did struggle at times. I can't argue that. I mean, there's there's two things here, right? Hunter Norzad played well the first half of the season. He did. And he yeah. got his but handed to him at Ohio state. These are, these are two things that can be true. So mm -hmm. like, yes, he had improved, but then he came up against a, a force that was, that overwhelmed him and he was yeah. not good. So like these two things are sort of separate points here, right? Like I'm, I'm not going crazy. Like he, he actually did For play sure. well. And then all of a sudden he just didn't against when that competition goes up. And that's, you know, that's a bit alarming when you're talking about the, the two game season and how you can compete with the actual, threats in the big 10 and but that's a different conversation like the, the kid played well and then he did yep. that's kind of where we're at yeah and and i think we identified early in the week talking about it before the ohio state game and we identified it uh you know james franklin apparently identified it as well saying like we we liked their short yardage situations and that what they presented so penn state it going into the game knowing that uh ty hamilton was an issue and not having jb nelson there 
I think, in the run game specifically. Another thing we've hammered home this week is, like, Hunter Norzad does not play on an island. He's the center. He's supported by his guards. So, like, having a redshirt freshman next to you, there's, there's I think, part of that as well. Although, individually, he did not play well, irrespective of those things. Keem Beeman is the next question. Navy Blue, if Chop Robinson and Amin Vanover are expected to be out for a while, does someone move from defensive end to defensive tackle? He mentions Navy Blue in his full question. If they're forced to play Fisher and Lions against Michigan, uh, Michigan will pound the ground. Right now, defensive, tack- defensive tackle depth seems pretty good. Fitz, coming back to you. Your thoughts on potentially having to move somebody out if they ha- if this is an extended injury situation. Yeah, I think that's a conversation you have to have. I know that they've done it before, specifically to to play a five-tech. Um, you know, they they kind of miss, not that this defense is missing many pieces, but like Nick Tarburton would have been a, a really nice piece there. Um, Zettel has played it before. You know, they've, they've moved guys out there, big defensive tackles or bigger, def- or excuse me, small defensive tackles or bigger defensive ends to play that position. So Zane Durant, Beeman, you may have to find yourself in a position where you get some reps for those guys it's not going to be an all-out base defense uh change or anything like that but like if you can't play chop and you can't play vanover then all of a sudden you got to spin something because those three defensive ends and then the freshmen will get they'll get tired you know so i think you have to have that at your disposal you have to prepare for it whether they do it or not i it, it depends on those guys health yeah uh ryan i'm going to come to you with this question gmac wants to know after a few days to process whatever it was that uh, we all watched on Saturday. Is there an immediate reaction that you possibly rethought or changed? Ryan, you were at the game. You saw the, you know, everything kind of in person with all the visceralness. Is there something that you rethought this week? That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I certainly was in the same boat as many others when it comes to Penn State should have ran the ball more. You know, I think we saw those Nick Singleton runs early on. And, uh, you know, they it didn't materialize later in the game. You know, one thing I will say, though, is, 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 is Ohio State did a much better job kind of locking down that uh, as the game went on. I mean, Nick had 44 yards rushing uh, in the first quarter, and I think he had six more carries and, and six more yards after that. So yep. they kind of shut it down after that um, in, in the in the you know second and third quarter. But, you know, I, I haven't I, – like I said, I haven't rewatched the entire game. I, I watched the, the first half of it and, and then just kind of uh, – you know, you guys were kind of handling most of that, and I switched over to recruiting on Tuesday. But uh, – I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of thoughts on how that game could have went. Go man. to T Frank's uh, film room and maybe. you'll see all of the information about how all of that went down. <laughs> how to bracketing. I, I, how many times did they bracket Maserati Marv? Um, yeah. Was there a ton of that, T Frank? I mean, did you, you watched? You, you uh, honestly, I I spent the entire time. This is the reality. I spent the entire time watching the Penn State offense multiple times. I yeah. haven't, I did not get to review the defense because. It just I ran out of time. We were on to James Franklin's press conference and we're mm-hmm. here. Like I blinked and we're sitting down to do this show. Um, so I, for me, just quickly, it was I, I went back and forth on Drew quite a bit of what was his responsibility in in the loss and the, the breakdown of the performance. And I went from it, it was not on him to it was there was clearly deficiencies in him to it was not on him back to there were areas that I thought he clearly played worse than he has in the past. So I vacillated on Drew Aller and his 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 part to play in that quite a bit this week. And, you know, I still don't have a firm setting on where I should feel about how he performed fits. Uh, any quick thoughts on that? And then we got to get to the receiver conversation because we've got a lot of questions and not a lot of time. Yeah. I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to continue to say, I like Gus, Gus Johnson, but boy, he just, the Ma- Ryan made the Maserati Marv comment. And I'm just yeah. like, 
boy, I'm glad I was at that game in person. So that, that's my <laughs> thought on that. Yeah. So let's get let's end the show here on receivers. With the state of the wide receiver room cause the staff to hold a few extra scholarships, even if a couple 2024 20, kids want in in order to have them to go into the portal to get receivers. Uh, guys, this is a freebie. Um, Fitz, I'll come back to you for this one. What do you think on portal receiver over prospect in 24? So after that 2017 loss to Ohio State, Penn State came back and they were recruiting a couple of defensive ends. Uh, Micah Parsons, Jason Away, and Tyreek Smith, who was actually committed to them at that point silently. Um, and they said, okay, we just we need to get to the quarterback, so we're going to go over our number and take as many of these guys as possible, which is funny because they had Smith at that point, and then they ended up getting Parsons and Away, and Smith flipped to Ohio State. I have to see a similar approach like that at receiver right now. Like That's going to be a situation where, hey, we need to fix this because it is that bad. Like It is that much of an elephant in the room that is something that we need to address whether that's 24 kids whether that's portal kids we went to the portal last year essentially have failed in, in yeah. what they were trying to do there um and got to fix it asap because your window um was this year and you missed it and uh the window i think is a little bit smaller next year but you've got to find some sort of weapon to um to do that so yes it's it's going to be a point where and and they still they have been going after receivers you know they they have three guys in this class right now um and it feels and of course with the josiah brown injury there's a little bit more uh emphasis there um quentin martin who we talked about as a potential wide receiver yeah so you've got guys that are there um but you need to find more like you need to figure out this log jam that you have further down in the on the depth chart that I wrote about yesterday on bluewoodillustrated.com. If you take a take a look at that, um, you need to figure out like how do you turn that into some sort of production because you can't you can't win the Big Ten, you can't beat Michigan, you can't do all this stuff with essentially two receivers, and even then, like you're yeah. kind of stretching the one and two given the performances that we've seen so far. So yes, that's got to be an, a, that's got to be a point of emphasis for the staff to get as many of these guys in. And sometimes it's, it's about going in bulk and maybe that's what we see. Maybe we see five receivers in this class. You know, that, that, that is certainly a situation where they need a fix. Um, is it going to be a quick fix? Is it going to be, I, I, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but they need to figure out something similar to what they did after 2017 with those pass rushers. You killed it. You answered two of the questions in the chat, bringing up Quentin Martin as a potential fix as well. Let's get to the last thing, and this is just, we ran out of time, so we're not going to get into this deep, but what's your take on how much of an advantage Michigan might have have had with an alleged sign-stealing operation that was uh, this elaborate? To the eager but still casual fan, seems like it would be a large advantage. Ryan, um, I know you were interested to at least kind of talk about this question. What were you, What have been your thoughts on the, the whole saga of the Michigan sign-stealing situation? Can let me just real quick. I know we're out of time, but like I, I, that last one, I really have uh, want to mention too. Like, I feel like it's inevitable that we see some outgoing transfers, you know? So when we're talking about that balance, yeah. like, Oh yeah. After everything we've seen this year, there's going to be outgoings there too. So right. I, I fully, I don't, I don't and think the, it's going to impact after coach, the year after an assistant coaching change. You always have that at, at the position, but right. Yes. So 2024, as far as recruiting, I don't think it's really going to impact transfer. Like I think we're going to see some outgoing guys. That'll be the incomings then, or that'll, even that out. Uh, as far as the Michigan thing, uh, who man, this has been a fun story to follow. How about that? Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's kind of one of those things where, like, are they do they know everything about every team? No, but I'm sure there's been some instances where you know big plays, big moments, whatever it is. And if they have 
somewhat an advantage of what the formation would be or whatever it could be, you know, big third down moments, big goal line moments, whatever it may be, you know, those, those things have probably had a, had a real impact uh, over the years. But I also feel like this is so stupid. Like Michigan is a really good program right now. Like, did they really need to do this? This was, this was, this was just dumb for them. And, and now every, all the good stuff they've done over two years, everybody's just going to discredit it no matter, no matter what. And, you know, I'm sure it's helped them to some degree. It has to have helped them to some degree. I don't know if it helps them as much as fans of other Big Ten schools want to think it has. I'm sure there's, yeah. like I said, moments I'm sure it has. But, man, this is just stupid. Like, you, 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 all the good you just did over two years, now everybody's going to point at it and laugh. Right, and it brings into question chicken or the egg because they were a team that couldn't get over the Ohio State hump, and suddenly they get over everything. Right. So you can build a narrative of the reason they were able to beat Ohio State and get on this roll and go to the college football playoff is because they had this advantage. And then Fitz, that comes back to the next question. If you hear some head coaches say, this is absolutely nothing. Everyone does some version of this. This is a nothing story. And then you have other people saying, this is a massive story. So I guess, what kind of story is this to you? Uh, I, I'm well, you're going to be surprised by this. I'm kind of in the middle. It's like baseball, you know, baseball has had cheating in it from the start. Football has also had cheating in it from the start, but like it, it's sort of you, you're taking a test as a as a C plus student and then all of a sudden you get 100 like yeah. get a few answers wrong on purpose like that, that that's kind of the the, the background here. Yeah. Um, so like to go from there to there, it's going to raise questions and to do it seemingly as stupid as they did it. There was this guy did it with the paper trail and all the tickets and stuff like that. Like that to me, it's just like, what, what are we? what are we doing here for a guy that's as detail oriented as Jim Harbaugh, like working, you know, anybody that works in that building has to be de detail oriented as well to do it this stupidly is number one, very funny, very funny. I don't want to, I don't want to like leave that one out. Um, but number two, like you're going to, you're going to expose yourself as potential frauds. Even if, even if the actual outcome was not something that changed the result of, Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio, or excuse me, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, things like that. I mean, that, that like you're just casting doubt on yourself and you're, you know, it's self inflicted. Yeah. Uh, I will say that Washington Post story yesterday, they supposedly attended eight Ohio State games. That's a big number. That, that did yeah. grab my attention. I was thinking maybe like one or two for here, one or two for Penn State, eight. That's, that's yeah. a big number. Go to yeah. a Rutgers game. Get, get some of the questions wrong on purpose, you know? Just, like, make it uh, – say you're turning tickets. Those tickets are expensive. Say that you're turning it on its head and you're running a small business because you're only making 55K as an analyst in that building. So, boy, that's uh, – yes, and we can't lose sight. I know that the, everybody's disappointed about the Ohio State thing. It's very funny. We have to acknowledge that. <laughs> it, it's it's, But I think it's also true to form for – Oh, for Michigan, a, a team and an identity built on, we are going to run through a very small hole and shove a lot of very large men through that small three-yard gap to be like, I don't care about the details. I like I, I, the details of subterfuge. We don't like subterfuge. We like being aggressive. Right. So and like, and there's, there's no benefit of, of the doubt for there's no benefit of the doubt for knowing that or for thinking that Harbaugh didn't know. Like, there, even if he didn't know, there's no you're not going to win that in public yeah. court like, or in the, the court of public opinion. Like, it's we've. <laughs> I mean, we've seen that like uh, all over the place. So it's, uh, boy, that's, uh, yeah, somebody mentioned public Venmo transactions. That, that story yesterday made it clear. It that, might as well say for cheating. Yeah. That story the, yesterday the made it clear. That there's there's more than just Connor Stallions doing this. Yeah. Very clear. Yeah. I mean, there, there was multiple people on that document. Read that Washington Post story yesterday. Yeah. It's, very good. It, that was, I thought, one of the most enlightening ones yet.
Anyway, well, we're an hour and yeah, five you guys crushed it. I don't want to keep you any longer. We we uh, we got a bonus five minutes talking about Michigan and cheating, but we got to get on to the next thing, which is you guys got to go right and find out incredible details about who's coming to Penn State, insider information. They give all that for you over at bluewhiteillustrated.com. If you've enjoyed the show today, please like the video, subscribe to the site. We're going to be putting out more great content. We have another live show coming up tomorrow. And then, of course, the tailgate show, 9 a.m. outside the Bryce Jordan Center, myself and Aeneas Hawkins. I know he's fired up we're going to be getting you a lot of good stuff coming up this weekend on uh here on the blue white illustrated youtube channel and until then we'll talk to you later hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.